Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. How's it going today, Brian? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. For those of you not familiar with the Greatest Games Podcast, it's a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games they were a part of as a coach. As always, we don't put any limits on them. It could be when they were an assistant coach, a freshman coach, a CYO coach. It can be a win, a loss, a championship game, whatever they consider to be their greatest game. Well, I'm ready to get started, so let's go ahead and welcome on in our guest for today, Coach Dan Egero, who just completed his third season as the head boys basketball coach at Crestkill High School in Crestkill, New Jersey. Welcome in, Coach. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I coached at Crestkill once. We didn't cross paths, though. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, was a, uh, Dan was an outstanding player at Crestkill for uh, – Legendary local coach Marty Rivard, and then uh, is now taking over at his alma mater. So that's got to be uh, very uh, prideful for you, Dan. Uh, I, I, you know, I take a lot of pride in Creskill, and I appreciate you saying I was an outstanding player, but let's, uh, let's not joke here. I was, I was average at best. <laughs> average at best puts you way ahead of Brian and I. <laughs> Absolutely. That goes without saying. <laughs> uh, coach, why don't you just – Go through your resume a little bit, where you've coached and how long you've been coaching. Um, okay, so I'll start at the beginning. I first started coaching, uh, I jumped right into a JV coach at Northern Valley Demarest High School. Um, I was there for three years. I uh, got to coach with uh, Joe Dionisio, um, which was tremendous experience for me. Um, after that, I moved back to Creskill, uh, and I became the JV coach there for two seasons uh, under Mike Dodo. Uh, then when Coach Dodo moved on to Paramus Catholic, where he's at now, uh, I was fortunate enough to be named the head coach at Creskill. So this was my third season as the head basketball coach at Creskill. Good stuff. So you're still young in the game. You're still young in general. And I'd like to think so, but through some of these games are making me tremendously older. <laughs> That'll certainly happen, and I know this is this is bad radio, but I tell you what, I can tell you the gear up at Cresco that Nike so that that Nike pullover is uh, you got them going in the right direction with that too. That's fantastic there. <laughs> oh, thanks, I, I appreciate it. I always got to rep my Cresco Cougars. <laughs> That's right. They had a nice. Uh, you guys had that nice gray. The guys, the kids had like a gray warm up, like a like a sweatsuit or was it a sweatshirt? That it wasn't that one that you're wearing. It was a different one. I saw them at the state game. A bunch of them had it on. Yeah, the, you know, each year the, the, the seniors get to pick kind of what clothing order they want to do. So, you know, I kind of put it on them, try to put up my own little spin on it, but usually it gets marked down pretty fast. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Like, I, I feel like I have an idea of like, oh, that's going to go. Kids are going to love that. And it's usually the complete opposite of what I think. Like, I'm looking for like a small, classy logo, something like that. And kids are like, no, no, we want big on the front. Like, this is, I'm, I'm usually 100% wrong when it comes to gear. It, it, it's without fail, it, it's always the opposite of what I either think <laughs> or what I even want. So <laughs> that's good that you just put it on them, then. You, you guys choose. You guys go ahead. It's your gear. No, well, be, otherwise, and no one's going to be buying anything. Right, right. <laughs> All right, coach, we're going to do a little uh, Q&A segment here to start off with. Uh, 
Coach Rosefield, why don't you go ahead and pick a question? All right. Well, this is this is a question I've been wanting to ask for for a while here because I can remember my first one. But, Coach, do you remember your first technical foul and what led up to it and your feeling when it happened of like just your first technical foul? It, it's so funny that you asked that because this is one of my favorite like coaching stories that I have. Um, when I was the JV coach at Demarest, like we were kind of getting getting beat up a little bit. And we had no life, so I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna get a T on purpose, <laughs> and, and kind of get the, get get the motivated, you know, get a little excitement going." Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of worked that, like, I, I purposely get teed up, you know, I, I pushed it too far, and I even told the ref afterwards, I was like, "Just do it," like, <laughs> you know. So I get it, but here's the best part: is we make us come back at Demrest, the JV team, and we we come back, and I I don't know the exact ending, but I want to say it got down to like five or three points at pretty close game where we had a chance. And afterwards, all the guys were like, man, coach, if we didn't get that team, we might've had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> just, just completely over their heads of what I had tried to do to help out. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, like you said, whatever you say, the kids say the opposite. So yep. that's uh, <laughs> case in point right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, coach, what led you to becoming a high school basketball coach? Why did you want to become a high school basketball coach? That's a great question, Chris. Um, <clears throat> I would say for me personally, it's like I, I kind of wanted to give back. I was really inspired by the coaches that I had myself. You know, um, having played for Coach Rivard, who's you know, the winningest coach at Crestgill in uh, Bergen County history. You know, that was a tremendous honor seeing all that he sacrificed for us. Um, Mike Burke was a big influence in my life. Um, he was our assistant coach at Creskill. Um, and he was a guy that volunteered and, and just kind of rubbed off on me. Um, but then guys from other sports that I played, I played, I ran track in high school. Um, so Rich Miller was a guy that had coached his entire life. And he was, you know, someone that I'd looked up to. And if I needed someone to talk to, he was there. And then uh, finally, Kevin Quinn. Um, all these are Creskill coaches. Kevin's the head football coach at Creskill now. Um, you know, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough that he was my first coach at Creskill that, uh, that coached me. And now uh, he's my colleague where we coach track together. So, um, you know, those guys had, had just a tremendous influence on me where they, they really helped me out throughout high school. And, you know, I, I kind of want to get, I wanted to get back to that high school experience and kind of be that for hopefully someone else. Yeah, and I'll speak personally, Brian, the, the three people that he mentioned are great coaches, and each one of them is a better person. Marty Rivard, Rich, Rich Miller, and, and uh, Kevin Quinn. So they are outstanding uh, role models for any kids that, that played for them. And, you know, you see one of them here who's went on to become a coach. Yes, this is kind of a common theme that it's not kind of, it is a common theme that we've seen through these interviews here and even obviously the coaches that we've known that it's really not, we, everybody wants to win, everybody wants to compete, but it's what, like what you just said, Dan, is about wanting to give back what was freely given to us and being able to do it while coaching, especially at your alma mater, it's, it's got to be a real thrill. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, as you said, it, it's still exciting to compete. And it's great to be able to get back out there. But, you know, the, the daily interactions and the relationships that you have with your players, uh, that's really, you know, that's really the end goal. That's really kind of what matters the most. 
So I'll tell you what, I, I had a belief when I get, first got into coaching that I had all the X's and O's figured out that we were going to come in. I was coaching girls basketball. It was my first job out of college. We're going to win state championships because I just come off. I, I knew everything that I needed to know X's and O's wise. And I quickly figured out that it was about relationships, that it was, I, I needed to, to really invest in these girls and, and really care about them off the floor as well as on the floor. So that was a belief that quickly I learned uh, wasn't really going to work for me. So the question for you is, was there some belief that you held coming into coaching that you quickly realized or some way in the future, sometime down in the future, quickly realized like, yeah, that, that I was way off on that one. Uh, it's a good point. I, I think that for me, um, similar to you, or it's like you, you, you know the X's and O's and you feel like you're going to come in and you're going to really put your mark on the program and you're going to kind of do your thing. But then you realize like, you, especially in public schools and at Crestfield, it's a group one school, which is the smallest schools in New Jersey, that you're only given so much to work with. And you got to really tailor your style to what you have and what they can be successful at doing. Um, you know, so you know, it's also trying to get them to buy in have them believe in you, but you have to make them the most successful. So I, for me, that was the biggest learning curve because I wanted to do something that was just so over the top that was like, God, our guys could, as much as they wanted to do it, they didn't have the time to even invest in doing that. So it, it, it's just so funny, like how you go in with like this, this big plan and quickly you're just adjusting on the fly. Right. <laughs> What did you want to do, like that Grinnell College, like just run and gun, everybody sub five, five guys every five minutes? <laughs> uh, yeah, right, exactly. We were just going to throw the ball the length of the floor every single time. <laughs> Get up and down like, like 32 minutes of, uh, of hell, basically. All right, Brian. So Coach Agaro is one of the finest dress coaches in the county. Uh, really? So my, my, yeah, full, full suit, the whole – I mean, dress to the nines. Do you pick out the outfit – like the night before, depending on the game, like what goes into the outfit choice? First of all, I, I, I'm going to concede that I am not the best dress coach. You're that, second best. That outfit is second best. Behind Rock, you are second. Yeah, absolutely. He, <laughs> he is the best dress coach, but second I'll take. I, I, um, the only thing that I do for the, the suit, and this was my big mistake, is game one of my first time being a head coach, I put the suit on, so – then I set the, the precedent that I have to wear a suit for every game. Um, but for me, the only thing is I just won't wear the opposing team's colors. Okay. That's my only kind of stipulation. That's interesting you said that you set the bar high. When I was coaching at Creskill, when, when uh, we had the freshman team that went to the freshman county finals, I was talking to uh, my best friend, Brian, I was talking to Josh, the night before the game and I said oh I've picked out a suit for the game and he said to me have you worn a suit any other game this year and I said no and he said then why wear a suit tomorrow it's just another game he goes if you wear a suit your kids are going to go oh my god coach in a suit just wear what you would normally wear so but you set it high with the suit so you got to keep going yeah, well, that's, it, it, that's kind of exactly what happened with me. Is it just the opposite, though? Is that if I don't wear this suit, they're going to be like, well, coach doesn't care, so now I don't have to care. Right. Well, you got to step it up with like a top hat or a monocle. Maybe next time I'll, for the real big games, I'll wear a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> All 
I'll tell you what, uh, it sounds like some pretty sound sports psychology advice from your friend Josh there too. I knew, I knew I loved him to death, but I'll tell you what, that was, uh, that was good advice. All right, coach. Well, obviously the show is, uh, about the greatest games that you've ever been a part of. So at this point in time, we'd love to hear about the greatest game you've ever been a part of. You can give us as much information as you want about this game and why it's so special to you. Okay, great. Um, I'm sure that Chris will kind of remember this game. Um, so my coaching career isn't that long, obviously, as head coach, it's only my third year. So this goes back to my first year. Um, we had a tremendous senior class. I, I mean, I was very fortunate that I walked into a great situation um, where we were returning starters. We had, I think, 10 seniors in the program, uh, with six of them that got to play. And we uh, had won 19 games in a row. And that got us to the county quarterfinal game, which is played at Fairleigh Dickinson University, um, which, is, which is just getting there itself is tough enough, um, as Chris can, can attest to. Uh, but we were playing a, an equally, if not maybe superior, talented team in Hackensack. Um, Hackensack is a group four town uh, here in New Jersey, so they're a huge town, you know, four times the size of Cresco. Uh, so, I mean, I think you could kind of think of it as almost like a, uh, almost like a Hoosiers like moment for us in a small town versus the, the big boys, so to speak. And um, that game, I remember it just like it, because it's on a college campus, a college floor, um, it was packed. You, you get a crowd of over, you know, a thousand people, which is something that we don't see often, if at all. Um, and our guys stood up to the challenge and I, I liked our, our seeding. We were the sixth seed and they were the three seed going into it. I thought our matchup was pretty, pretty fair. Um, but I just didn't realize what the environment would be like and how our players would step up to it. Um, and we went toe for toe with them. And I remember that game in that we were down going into the fourth quarter and halfway through the fourth quarter, it became just a one point game and back and forth, back and forth. And eventually we tied it up at 50, 50 with 90 seconds left. And we had a bunch of opportunities to, to put the ball in the basket. Um, and we didn't. Um, but fortunately for us is that Hackensack didn't put the ball in the basket either. Uh, so the game went to overtime. Um, and in overtime, we actually kind of dug ourselves a little bit of hole. We were down like 55-50, 52-55 kind of range. Um, and it got down to 25 seconds left. Um, we were down two with the ball. Uh, and we had been running the same play over and over and over again. Uh, and so we went back to our, this high ball screen. And my point guard, uh, George Sikoriak, uh, this time, instead of using the screen, rejected it and drove opposite. And just so happened that in that opposite corner was our best player at the time, Luka Radovich, our, our best shooter. His man had jumped out to stop George's penetration to the basket George made the simple pass to the corner. Luca caught it, and it was like every other shot that Luca shot. It was literally textbook form, hit nothing but net. You know, with three seconds left in overtime, we went from down two to up one, and it was like pandemonium. You know, luckily for us, um, they uh, they actually had to call the timeout, um, which was probably if I was in Coach Taylor's situation, I would have called the timeout as well. You need to stop the clock. But that gave my guys who were ecstatic jumping up and down on the court a chance to actually get back and play some defense. Mm -hmm. um, and so luckily for us, they had a, a last second uh, 
you know, half court shot that hit the front of the rim. Um, but we ended up beating Hackensack and that got us into the Jamboree uh, semifinals, which was the first time that Cresco has been there in over 20 years. Um, it was uh, also marked our 20th win in a row. Um, and it was the first time the group one school had been to the Jamboree semifinals in like 18 years as well. So, you know, for us, like the game itself was tremendous, but just the situation of the magnitude of it really, for me, put it over the top. Like I, I'll, I'll just never forget that, especially being my first year. And those were guys that I had on my JV team two years ago and seeing them now on like the biggest stage of Bergen County basketball, you know, it was, it was an extremely proud moment for me. I tell you, you just elevated yourself, and uh, in, in my world, you've referenced Hoosiers already. It's that's uh, my all-time favorite movie. But I tell you what, I listen to that story. I appreciate you sharing all that. Going into the fourth quarter, you're down. You get down early in overtime games, and I've had teams that just get down quickly. Overtime's just like it's a whole nother like time warp. Like it's just like time stands still, but it goes by so quickly. It's hard to describe. But what are you telling your guys in that moment, down early or down going into the fourth quarter, and then down early in overtime, and to get them over the hump? And, and I guess a follow up for that too, had they exhibited that type of gumption to kind of come back throughout the year? Or was that the first time you had seen it? Um, so I'll work backwards. So my team, as I said, was a senior-led team. You know, we had 10 seniors on that team, and most of those guys played and started varsity the year before, and even a handful of them played varsity their sophomore years. So they were very seasoned, um, uh, especially the big moments. You know, I, I remember uh, the year before, we went to the state sectional final, went to overtime and lost by one. Um, so they've been in situations like that. So for me, it was more about just making sure that we were staying calm, you know, not to get too excited, not to get too high, too low. That, that's really kind of my biggest thing. You know, I want my teams to be like, you know, it's very easy to get super excited, uh, especially in front of that was the biggest crowd that we've ever played in front of at that time. Um, so it was really hard for, you know, I wanted to make sure that they just didn't get overwhelmed by the moment. And that really five points is still only five points. If you're down, it, it's not the end of the world. You know, and if you're up five points, that's also you, that's not a huge lead by any means either. You know, it's trying to stay that even keel, but you know, at the same time, I'm telling them to stay calm and stay calm. I'm jumping up and down the sidelines, running all over the place. <laughs> uh, what Dan failed to mention as well, Brian, the <clears throat> Fairleigh Dickinson gym is located in Hackensack, New Jersey. Mm, okay, so it's, it was in the town of the bigger school. You know, so it was almost like a home game for them. Right, right. You know. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great point, Chris. I, I, even, I, I didn't even put that together until now. <laughs> <laughs> I live, I can see the Rothman Center from my window. So, um, but uh, that game, and he talked, uh, Dan talked about the final play, and it was just one of those things where he had the ball in his point guard's hand, George Sikoriak, who was uh, – Brian, you would love to have coached a kid like George, just a kid who always made the right play. So, you know, if you would have hit – if you would have had the – what's that – what was that stupid movie with Adam Sandler, Click, where he could sure. pause time. Right. Right? My number you two. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Another good reference. If you would have paused time right when George started driving and, and said to Dan, is George going to make the pass to the open guy in the corner, it would have been 100% yes. You know, he, he, the defense helped, and he just kicked it 
to the open guy in the corner. I mean, it was just it was just the right play to be made, and, and it was the right play by a heady ball player. And I got to add about this. I think George Skorek, anybody would love to coach. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, George is George he, a great kid and a great player. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't want to – I should also mention this, too, on Hackensack's team. Two of their, their players went on to go play Division One basketball as well. So it's like they were a, a, such a talented team. And not saying that we weren't talented, but, uh, you know, we just didn't have that level of talent on our team. And it was just a collective whole of our players coming together. You know, Michael Farrar, who was a starter for us, who now plays Division Three football at TCNJ, he shut out one of their Division Three players, B.J. Saliba, held him to seven points. He was averaging like 24 points on the season. You know, just a, a tremendous effort by him. You know, our guys just digging deep and believing and just doing their role and, and playing their role, that it'll end up working for us. I know we were we were joking about your your dress and the suits and everything, but I the, the picture that you're painting of that night, you coming with your professionalism and your even keeledness, a senior senior led team. Um, it just it really sounds like a really special group that you had there, and, and just talking about that that performance there, just to hold a a twenty four point kid to seven points right right there, kids that are really able to step up and fill their roles sound like a special group. Uh, I mean, they're a group that, you know, I'll never forget. Just awesome, you know, kids, great basketball players, but even better people. You know, there's still guys that when they come home from college now, you know, they come to our games, they come and say hi, stop by practice. You know, but that brings us back to, like, why you get into it. You know, it's for moments like that in the relationships and being able to, to, you know, text them or shoot them a text, seeing how they're doing, and then answering you right away. You know, even now, I went up and saw George play at Ithaca, you know, a, a couple times in the past two years. So it, it's just really, you know, gratifying to have those relationships. Yeah, and what's uh, – you were talking about Hackensack having two kids that went and played Division One, but, uh, you know, Luca was a walk-on at Fordham. George plays basketball at Ithaca now, Division Three school. Like you said, Mikey plays football down at um, College in New Jersey, Wellington – uh, didn't he run track? Is he still run track at Connecticut? Yeah, Wellington. Uh, Wellington is a, a tremendous athlete that we had playing basketball. Um, yeah, so you, you had athletes that were good at all sports and and a lower level than the Hackensack kids, but kids that have gone on to the next level to play. Yeah, so yeah. I know mean, something about their competitiveness and their desire and everything. Chris, you bring up a good good word there. They just were a competitive team. Uh, that's the best way to to put it for them. They were super competitive. You know, talented, absolutely. As you just mentioned, Luca went on to walk on at Fordham, which is tremendous. You know, Creskelson had a Division One basketball player in like 20 years. Was so, Garrett the last one? Yeah, Garrett Kreitz was, uh, I guess, or could you count Matt Henry? played one year at UNH. Oh, okay, yeah, right, Matt did, yeah, okay. So, you know, that's, that's still 20 years that we haven't had somebody play Division One basketball. And then, you know, you, you get these guys that are just super competitive. And every day of practice was, was – it was awesome to be a part of because they weren't letting up to each other at all. It was always going to be who can outdo the, the person next to them. It's so neat to be able to hear, hear what you shared earlier in this interview about wanting to give back. And then now to hear about how many kids are running track, playing football, doing all these things and they're still in touch with you. Like I just feel like, and, and this, this is right in my wheelhouse as an AD now where when I first got into coaching, it was all about winning. We got to win, win, win. And now 
you know, 15 something years later, it's like, wait a minute, this is about providing experiences for kids, giving them opportunities to grow, band together and compete with each other and then have them help each other to grow and go on and do things in their lives. Like it's just the, the, the picture you're painting is really beautiful. And I just, I, I can't, can't thank you enough for everything you shared so far. It's amazing. No, no, thank you. But I mean, Chris can probably attest to this, you know, I, I feel that Cresco is a special place, you know, it's a small town, you know, I, I'm contributing just a small fraction to it. And, you know, the kids grow up in it and they've grown up together their whole lives playing together. The, that group of seniors had played together since they were like in third or fourth grade, you know, their, their parents are very involved in a positive way. And, you know, they, they kind of grow up in a, a very cultivated um, uh, environment where they believe in each other and they, they believe in Crestkill and they're willing to kind of put forth that effort. And we're very lucky too, where we have the support of our administration, um, our community. So it, it's really a great place for me uh, to be back. And I, I feel that, you know, because I was also fortunate enough to play through that, that I, obviously I want to make sure that these guys have an experience that I've had, even though I never got to, the Jamboree semifinal as a player or to the sectional final as a player. Yeah. I was going to say that Dan before you echoed it, but um, it's, it's the culture that was, that has been cultivated in Creskill for 40 years that, that Marty started uh, and Brian's heard me talk about coach Rivard before. And we mentioned him here and, and what a tremendous coach he was, but it's that, you know, he's, he cultivated that culture in that town from when he started there in the, early seventies. And then coach Dodo, who also played for, for Marty, you know, continued it. And now you're another alum taking over the job and continued it. And, and it really is, it's one of those cultures that is a family atmosphere. And I was lucky enough to coach there for five years as a sort of an outsider, but I feel a part of that family. And I came to support you this year during your state playoff games. And whenever I'm back there, you know, I see, you know, Beth, the AD, and, and Mike, who's the superintendent now, and John Massaro, the principal, and all the people in town, they always, you know, they still, you know, they're like, oh, Coach de Blasio, how you doing? You know, so it's that whole atmosphere, that, that, that culture in Creskill that makes, uh, makes it such a special place. And, and I think the winning just begets itself with that, with that culture. Yeah, and, and to even add on to that, for instance, last year, Coach uh, Rivard had um, kind of stepped down, and he came back and was a volunteer assistant with me um, in my second year. So a guy that I had played for that I was trying to kind of build off and continue his legacy um, took the time to come and volunteer on my coaching staff. So I think that kind of – that scenario right there just speaks to the relationships that people have in Creskill. 760 wins and he's volunteering as a coach <laughs> even more so he's volunteering to his second year coach and taking <laughs> orders from me it was like very very bizarre situation i felt uncomfortable at many times i'll tell you i had a similar experience down here uh, coach george glimp was the first ever nba player development coach he left with jermaine o'neill played at eau claire and his grandson played for us at ridgeview when i was the jv coach and he he just he wanted to help and, and volunteer. And so I had, at the time, Chris de Blasio and George Glimp. I had the best JV staff in the country. But it was fascinating to be able to sit there. And he would, he would and very gently would just come in and say, hey, Brian, do you mind if I take over this? Yes, 
oh, please take over the drill. Let me watch you work. Because he was a hero of mine watching him growing up as I was cutting my teeth as a young coach, working camps and that type of thing. So being able to work with a legend like that, it's, it's, it's a real hoot. Yeah. Co- it's co- funny that you say it like that because Coach Rivard was like the same way. He'd be like, do you, do you mind just maybe doing it this way? My like, coach, you, you have 30 years experience. Like, please, whatever you want to do, tell me. Like, show me what to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that they can humble themselves like that. Brian makes a great point. Coach Glimpf was was so helpful. Uh, and, again, he's like Marty Dan. He, he's a guy that has all kinds of state titles, gyms named after him, awards named after him, you know. And he is revered in, in South Carolina high school coaching. And to have him in a JV gym and just, yeah, it was just tremendous. That's awesome. All right, so, Dan, we like to wrap it up with this. Um, if I ask the kids that have played for you, what is something that Coach Egero says over and over again? It could be a mantra. It could be a coaching point. It could be something funny you say all the time. If they say, if I say, what is something Coach Egero says over and over again? What would they tell me it is? Uh, no cursing. You say that? Absolutely. If we, anyone curses on the floor, we automatically run the entire team. Wow. What, kind of, what kind of running? What's your go-to sprint? Somebody says a word. What, what, are you, what are you having them do? We go on the baseline, baseline and back, and we put 10.5 seconds on the clock. <laughs> Everyone's going to make it. I, th- I would say that that's easily the safest bet that I'll be remembered for is the no cursing policy. And I would say second to that, which now is uh, unfortunately with the, the current climate, I instituted for a long time of when you walk in a gym, you need to shake your coach's hands and, you know, present yourself and say hi to everyone. Obviously now with what's going on, maybe that's going to have to change. But I mean, this is also beyond sports where I just want them to become more of being adult-like. You know, when you come Mm -hmm. in, you should go see the adults who are there, make sure that they know that you're there, you know, you greet them and then we can proceed forward. So I always, you know, because at Crestgill, you know, Chris, you could, you know it, you know, most of these kids are not going to play college sports. So if they can take away a great experience and then also something that they can use in their life, a life skill, like just simply going up to somebody and introducing yourself and being able to shake their hand and look them in the eyes. You know, I I thought that that was just something that they could all easily, you know, kind of not necessarily think about and just start doing and it would really help them out. I'll follow up on that one. Was that something that a coach did for you growing up? that you just said, oh, I'm going to do that when I'm a coach? Or did you just did you decide to get on your own to do something like that? I love, I love the handshake. I think, that's, I think that's fantastic. Where where did that come from for you? So the handshake, I got to say, I stole from Coach Dionisio. Um, he was the coach at Northern Valley Demarest, um, another really highly regarded coach in Bergen County uh, basketball. Um, won the, the Jamboree County title over at Bergen Catholic. And I really fell into a lucky situation with him. And, and he kind of guided me, especially early on when I was 23 years old, coaching a JV team. You know, these guys were four years, five, you know, what, six years younger than me that I'm coaching. So he, he helped me out tremendously. And he's the one that, that made them. You know, I remember my first day I get to Demarest. I haven't met any of the kids. Uh, I've only met Coach Dionisio a handful of times. And all of a sudden I get a lineup. 50 kids that are trying out all shaking my hand before going to pick up a basketball. Oh man. I love that. 
I love that. I tell you what, you, you have referenced Hoosiers and then you have gone in depth about your soft skills training, your character ed training as a coach. And obviously the, the success uh, on the floor sounds like it's taking care of itself. So coach, I just can't, can't thank you enough for coming in and sharing what you've shared with us so far uh, tonight. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, no, thanks a lot, guys. I mean, as I said earlier, this I was looking forward to this all day. Just being able to talk basketball has been great. Yeah. Well, Coach, thank you again. And for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. Mm-hmm.